You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Land and Legacy Podcast. We're your hosts, Adam Keith. And Matt Dye. This is your number one resource for all things land. If you're interested in conservation, habitat management, hunting strategy, and rural real estate, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back, guys. Um, well, how how do we even kick this off, Matt? Uh, calling in, <laughs> it's a little weird. Yeah. We're getting back into that uh, that whole travel schedule um, where it's yeah, going to sure be are. phone tags or phone call conversations and um, various things, and not so much. Uh, you know, you're you're actually on the road to go hunt in Oklahoma, or you are in Oklahoma to hunt tomorrow and next several days, but. Um, you know, as we kick into consulting season, because we're kind of getting right out of the right rut, you know, the next consult that's on the books is in a week or two. And so, uh, yep. it's, it's getting ready to hit and, um, you know, this so is, this is like the last chance for, for romance kind of thing for me lucky to be able to get away for a day or two and want to take up, uh, the opportunity to just come and see this place during, um, hunting season because it's such a generous offer and it's like gosh got gotta take a little bit of time to do it yeah but without a doubt next couple weeks we're on the road and back and working in properties and farms all over the country and i love love the downtime um but it's also a lot of fun being out there and working with people because you get to have conversations like you did with Lily tonight or, yeah. or, or, you know, on the other podcast, you know, working with folks that are energetic, excited about land management, excited about properties and land ownership, um, and just put a lot of energy into that. That is, that is who we're working with. And that's so rewarding. So I'm excited one, to be in Oklahoma, but also for the next, um, let's say wave of, of working with individuals across the country. Absolutely. You know, we did a podcast back in August about the, the the plans to hunt Oklahoma, and we had big plans. I think some guys have really been following along and going, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited to hear this. But unfortunately, I think a lot of guys can relate to that, too, of what we're getting ready to say. Life. But life hit, and uh, we, both had, uh, we both had things that required um, lots of time and yeah. um, travel that was not work-related, and therefore – life hit and we were like well we'll get out there if we can and for Maybe. me personally <laughs> you know i i just had a we had our second baby in august and um the oldest girl uh was not as quick to jump into uh how should i say this the ability for me to leave was not as easy as i thought it was going to be or had planned on it um and so therefore Correct. i've been here shoot 
I got I sent my brother pictures or videos while we were hunting. Like we, I, I haven't hunted a single afternoon all year because um, attempting to put one of these children to bed while the other one, it's like you have to pick your kid, and you never want to do that. And so, you know, for me, it was like, oh, this is impossible. I'm not going to wait my wife go through this without me. So. I've been here a lot, uh, and hunted very, you know, not not a ton, um, even this fall, even though we both killed bucks, and uh, fortunately, um, you know, that's that's part of having young kids, and so for me, it was just like, yikes, uh, I wish Oklahoma was going to work, but I'm not sure it's going to work, at least not right now, and so you're out there by yourself, uh, or without yep. me, um, for the next couple of days, and so we're going to... Uh, I'll be anxious or excited to hear, not anxious, but I'll be excited to hear how, how it's shaping up out there. Yeah, I'm excited to, excited to get eyes on it. I mean, everything changes, you know, during during the fall. And, and I mean, there's there's hundreds of acres that are underwater and thousands of, of ducks and geese on this property right now. So, you know, things change a lot from August till now. And um, I'm, I'm excited to get the all-around report. Uh, kind of inventory here on the property, but definitely will be targeting some some deer <laughs> over here. Yeah. So I'm excited, but um, you know we do also have, I think a a, a really timely, but let's say a, a clarifying type of podcast too, or or, or definition um, where we're gonna like let's say where the rubber meets the road on on terms and using them appropriately, but more or less more importantly than using them appropriately is applying them appropriate to a property. I, I think that, well, I'll let you introduce the terms, but this, this idea or these two terms are oftentimes misused and misunderstood. And I think that with the clarification that we're able to bring through this podcast, it will help people realize maybe where they're, misunderstanding um the usage and how they can also improve their property but increase the number of hunting acres on their property oh for sure yeah um you know these two terms get thrown around a lot and uh honestly i'm not sure the second one the one that we kind of use a lot is is used I, i know there's other terms that people use this is kind of one that I know we use a good amount, um, but the first word being sanctuary, uh, and this and this all comes from a you know th- th- this is why we encourage people to write into us on social media and shoot us an email at info at landandlegacy.tv because this this whole podcast topic came from a, a guy sending me a message mm-hmm. on Facebook mm-hmm. asking me kind of the difference or what I thought of sanctuaries and. Uh, so that's kind of one of those things, guys. Why, uh, if you got questions, please send them in because I, it may it may just be a podcast topic. But sanctuary um, being one word that man, I've heard that term for so many years about deer management or running a farm, and uh, you know it, it, we'll define it. We'll use our definition or what we believe other people use it for, and then the other term that we're comparing is bedding thicket. Um, and so those two terms, you know, bedding area, bedding thicket and sanctuary, um, because I think, um, not only just, are we going to cover the, 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 the terms and the definitions, but also what they tend to be when people use the word, what we typically see, you know, we're, we're on going up on our fifth consulting season, I believe. Uh, isn't that right? Yeah. Yeah. Fifth or sixth fifth it's going to be our fifth so we started in 17 this will be 21 so um anyway uh so 17 18 19 20 21 so yeah our fifth our fifth season is consulting season as land and legacy you know we consulted other other places in the past but um and in 28 states now and when i hear the term sanctuary to be perfectly honest with you it has no weight no value no no depth to the term because I've heard it and heard it and heard it and heard it. And typically 
you know, when I, <laughs> I don't know about you, Matt, but when I hear the word sanctuary, I think of a big area with little management and it's just an area that doesn't get in, uh, human pressure. That's, that's essentially all that it ever is cracked up to be. It's simply to me, like in, in my opinion, when I hear that word, all I can really think of is two different things. The first one is, is the, the lack of human intrusion. Basically yeah. it's just this designated space. Typically, like, it's, we're not talking like an acre or two. We're talking like, typically like 10, 20, 30, 40 acres of a property that is essentially deemed do not enter. That's a sanctuary. I don't go in there. I don't do anything in there. I, I might, leave that. I might blood deer. trail a deer. I might shed hunt it, or I might walk through it during turkey season. And those are about the three it. things that I hear, you know, people the, utilizing their sanctuary areas for. The other the other thing that I think is super important to um, compare and contrast between these two terms is from from the sanctuary side of things, it's not designated, let's say, as a sanctuary by the wildlife who are who it's left for. Yeah. It's simply designated by by someone, let's say, a landowner or a hunter by a you know. The, the person or the, the thing that is not using it as a resource is designating what it is. Yeah. Where in comparison, like a bedding thicket, the deer are choosing that. So yeah. you know that it's it's what they want, whereas this is just a human aspect. They're the origin of, of where this phrase is coming from, a blanket, let's say, statement over obnoxiously probably too large of an area to say it's sanctuary yeah. sanctuary to me is not the it's the absence of human intrusion not the promotion yeah. of wildlife cover or wildlife habitat um it, now it, it, you know there are guys speaking. there are guys or that that could probably you know down south northeast wherever there's uh, lots of timber management going on where there may be a large clear cut and it's like that's a sanctuary now, I don't go into that clear cut probably for reasons of it's going to be a, a pain to walk through there, but <laughs> yeah. it's a sanctuary. And, and once again, that sanctuary being a, you know, 30 acre clear cut, there could be a pile of deer, a pile of wildlife in there. Um, mm-hmm. but it's hard to hunt a 30 acre area. Yeah. And so that's where, you know, you're still, even though you're going to complete 180 and go, well, there's probably a lot of really good cover and pretty good woody brows or pretty good forage in there, it's still hard to hunt. Yeah. And and it so a vast amount of area. Uh, you know, in my head, because e- each person, doesn't matter where you're at in the country, you're going to have a different definition or a different picture in your head of what a sanctuary is, but... When I see us like when I hear the word sanctuary in regards to land management, I picture a guy waving his finger around on a map in a pretty good sized area saying, Yeah, this area right here is sanctuary. And it's like, Okay. And then you see it, and it's like, I can see halfway through this area just by ducking my head under the browse line or ducking my head under the closed canopy. Like, I can see a long ways. The, the, this is not quality. This is This is just. Uh, an area that you're choosing not to go. And, uh, yeah, I'll just say, I think that a lot of times, even in the Midwest, a lot of people are like, especially when crops get harvested, they're like, I'm not going in the timber. Like I just won't. All of my timber on my properties are sanctuary. So they'll hunt field edges or they'll hunt standing grain that's left or a food plot or something. But like, as soon as they step foot into the timber, there's a risk of, of bumping a deer. So they just say, you know what, I'm out. I'm not going to do that. So so you give all the advantage, let's say, to the wildlife of um, this blanket security, um, air quoting the security aspect, to the timber, and you're left just sitting there waiting, hoping that, you know, there's daylight activity on a field where, you know, let's just say you've got 50 acres of timber you can concentrate those deer down into very defined regions by improving the habitat and then hunt more of your farm and actually access those resources like acorns, like travel corridors, like the pinch points, things like that, that those timbered acres would offer. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think some of it's like it's almost almost used as a hunting strategy to call something a sanctuary and not intrude it. But at the same time, it's like, well, what if you actually didn't have the sanctuary term and and you began to adopt these areas of you know dense cover, more confined, your hunting strategy would be greatly improved and allow you to hunt more of your actual property. Absolutely. And, and, and so the guy that wrote in, he asked me, you know, I believe I heard you talk in one of our videos or one of our podcasts about hunting over a bedding thicket. And, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, you know, I, it's not ideal. I would much rather be off, you know, 50, 60 yards from a bedding cut. But if the situation means that I have to hunt right next to the edge, I would rather do that than hunt a 30-acre sanctuary having really no idea where the deer are going. And they could be cutting through the middle, the other side. There's nothing really attractive to that sanctuary. And so what I tried to describe to him was, you know, it's not going to be a perfect circle every time, obviously. Um, but picture almost like a bullseye effect where you've got a 10 or 12 ring that's the actual bedding thicket, but you've got many other portions of the bullseye of the target that aren't a bedding thicket that are just kind of the cushion off of that bedding thicket to to give it a little bit of space so you can access the property or go on down to another bedding thicket but it gives you you know in an ideal world you have the densely densely packed bedding thicket which is mainly a micro clear cut with mix of hinge cuts and flush cuts and flush cuts with herbicides so you get uh it's not a stump sprout sapling dominated area it's got a great mix of sprouts and and hinge cuts and herbaceous plants that are forbs that are going to provide good browse but also some cover and then a mix of grasses in there um and so you kind of have that densely located uh on on the bullseye or in the area of the overall sanctuary and then you may have another bedding thicket 300 yards down that's in that if you want to if you will that same that same bullseye or that same target area where it may be a 30-acre or, yeah, a 30-acre chunk, but you've got two bedding thickets in it, rather than just a 30-acre mm-hmm. area that says, that's a sanctuary. And well, I kind of think, oh, uh, for me, it's like, you know, we we used to do them on the podcast, and we, we just went on to something else, but it's like, would you rather have 40-acre sanctuary, air quote it, or a five-acre area with a one acre bedding thicket in it like if you had to own one which one would you own and it's like well i mean or having permission to to hunt which one would you rather hunt the five acre with the bedding thicket or the 40 acre with nothing going on and i would rather hunt the five acre with the bedding thicket hands down i wouldn't even second guess it yeah no no not at all because we know that wildlife their daily movements, their daily requirements of all different types of resources, whether they're talking dietary or security, survival, whatever, is dictated by the habitat. Absolutely. And so I want something that is actually qualifies as habitat, not just tree growing somewhere. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also, I think it's, I think it's dangerous and kind of silly to assume that wildlife let's say we've got this 30-acre sanctuary, it's, it's not like there's, let's just say there's 30 deer bedded in this area. It's not like those deer are equally distributed across this 30 acres. Day in and day out, there's probably certain points or topography features or maybe a couple down trees or, you know, green briar thickets scattered throughout, you know, the creek system that goes through there just naming stuff, but like those deer are going to be relatively routine and probably where they're going to choose to bed down in this whole 30 acre section. But it's like you, you gave the deer way too much room that you never, ever go in. It's like, when, when do you actually, like your best hunting opportunities are dawn and dusk. And that movement is typically closer to the bedding area. 
and you're shooting yourself in the foot if you give this broad sanctuary so much, let's say, depth that, that you don't ever intrude, where you don't ever have opportunities, hardly at daylight activity or that type of activity in and around areas that deer are close, you know, bedding down. I think there's, as we, as we, as we've done this and so many people across the country have started to cut in these bedding thickets, one thing that beyond just the success that they're having of, of bucks cruising downwind or does just piling in every single day on cameras and they're shooting them, all this stuff, that's fantastic. And that's the goal. But the other aspect that is the, the key player into this is the way they talk about the deer interacting and behaving in these areas. There's without a doubt when they talk about the hunt, describe the hunt and know the activity that's occurring, these deer know it and feel a hundred percent secure in these areas, the bedding thicket areas, not just this 30 acre sanctuary. That that's just too vast almost yeah. with crappy, with crappy habitat. It, you confine it down, put it where it needs to go create it and then sit back and watch yeah. it just unfold. Yeah. And, and, and you could expand on my last one and say, okay, would you rather have 50 acres with three bedding thickets or four bedding thickets or 500 acres of, of just timber? And I'd still would rather, because you're just, it's a shot in the dark when you're hunting large areas that don't have any kind of edge effect and or yeah. any and especially during the rut any kind of adequate cover and i think that mm-hmm. like a lot of times i hate to say it but like if you if you pay attention to social media or or even youtube videos when people state cover um it's typically you know i i will hand it to the hinge cut guys they they know and there's a reason why hinge cutting took off is because those hinge cut areas are very thick um, but like you, you can hear guys say, oh, we're hunting this thick, thick little cover area or we're in this thicket. And it's like, that's not really that thick. That's just a lot of stems per acre. Um, yeah. there, there's a much better option out there. And, you know, for me, I would, I would, that's where you key in on, man. I mean, we're watching it on cameras and it's just like with each and every day, uh, we get, reminded of how powerful a bedding thicket is or how powerful quality cover is and how important it is to have on your farm. And I feel like so many times we we visit farms time and time again where it's like, ah, we need thickets. We need we need better cover. That's that's the yeah. that's where we're gonna see it. That's where we're gonna see the biggest change very quickly. And and I you know, you think of running a chainsaw, oh this is this is long-term management this is going to take a while no it's really not it could probably take effect almost as quickly as a pile of corn uh <laughs> because <laughs> depending on the time of yeah. the year you know you go run a saw in the middle of the winter and you're going to see deer in there almost uh, within hours sometimes especially if you do it for several days in a row and and i think i think that response time is is very um uh, is dictated on the quality of other habitat that's around if yeah. all you have is it's closed canopy timber and you start dropping a couple trees, look out. I mean, they're coming. Like yeah. they will they will hundred percent be there. Um, but you know, I well, it kinda of takes me back to kind of a sidebar conversation. We haven't talked a lot about it and, and you know, since the fall and everything, but um working with uh, a father and son team right now for uh, finding a piece of property. They they sold one and we're trying to move to another one in in fantastic state of Kansas. But we're looking at two separate farms, pretty much drastically different, and they're kind of going back and forth. I guess. And side note, you're never going to find the perfect farm, like in real estate. There's always work to be done, right? That's a whole other podcast. But we're never going to find one that's just like perfect, ready to go. Say air quote turnkey. Generally speaking, there's always something to do. So we're looking at these, comparing these two different farms, vastly different. One's got some uh, native pasture with a big creek system um, that's kind of got some wooded, a wooded creek system and then some tillable on it and then surrounded by some some big native pastures around it. 
Um, so cover is relatively limited, but they have a good corridor right through it as one option. Another option is a, a larger creek system where there's much more cover on this place. And then in the neighborhood, there's a lot of cover. Um, but one has topography features and the other one doesn't. We're going back and forth as to, okay, what are the resources here? What can we do here? What's the timeline on getting that one turned around? Well, what's the timeline on this one? One of the one of the things to keep going back to is, hey, with this one farm that's got quite a bit of, um, someone would look at it, they, that's, there's cover there. It's not great quality cover, but there's stuff there. It's like, go in there, and that's the same one with the topography features on it that are just pretty dang killer, but it's go in there, run the chainsaw, and then start putting deer where you want them and where it makes sense. The other one, we're, we're having to maybe take some tillable out, put in the CRP, maybe change the way that those native pastures are being managed currently, and then wait on that response. Uh, that could take some time. Still very good for that area, but this other one, we can go in there and really start hammering this stuff out, and I think it's going to hunt great, and it's in, it looks like a great neighborhood, and you've got a lot a lot more options, let's say, with this other one. And yeah. so we're having those conversations of before before even walking it or buying it. It's like, where would we place them? Where would we? Okay, if we did one here, then now now you have this access and, and potentials here for multiple wind sets or you know all these different things. It's like that's how important cover is. It, it, but prior to even buying a place, we're talking about it. How it would be set up, not just well, I've got this place. Or I've had this place for 10 years, the hunting's going down. I think I need this. Well, yeah, you need it right out of the gate. Yeah. Right. yeah. What are you waiting for? Like a tornado to come by and create it for you? You need it. You yeah. got to have it. And, and the to. deer are going to flock to it. That's why I said going back into August when I said that about, you know, if I if I just picked up a farm, like I, I closed on a property August 15th. And okay, it's time to. I've only got a little bit of time. Do I either go run a chainsaw or do I go and try to plant food plots? And 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 I think we're, I think we're missing it if we're going food plots first, um, yeah. because the bedding thickets are time and time again. I mean, our trail cameras can prove it. Our hunting observations can prove it. Everything, you know. I didn't even mention it because it it didn't even really register in my mind because it's so second nature on the family farm but the buck i shot in rifle season lo and behold was dead uh he was downwind of a bedding thicket um mm-hmm. working a scrape mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like oh yep. oh forgot about that um but uh and that was one that chad and i just cut in last february or march so uh it's not that old of a cut but you know our big piney our big piney uh camera um the cuttyback we've got downwind of it. dynamite. Oh my gosh, it's been deer. Well, with the big nine pointer that I hit wounded was just there what, two nights ago or last night. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, down downwind of it, checking that scrape. It's just like golly, that's just dynamite. And I don't want to say it's 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 overnight success, but it's it's stinking close to overnight success when you create cover that they want and the resources the food resources and and here's the the cool part about it we talk so much about bedding thickets and rut like those two words you go to our website are probably used so frequently but the, the the most awesome part is that cut that that is getting done or should be implemented on your property is good in december good in january february march april may june july august september and november like it there is something that it is offering year round it's not just a hunting thing like in december if i am looking for or i'm trying to find a resource and i don't have you know standing crops or great food plots at that time of year i'm going to pick areas about woody browse and that's where deer will be feeding well, that's what that's what the cut is. Hello, like there's more resources there to them all throughout hunting season, and then really what matters most is the outside of hunting season where they're either growing more fawns, dropping fawns, or growing inches of antler. 
that's what those things are doing. Yeah, not only is it providing food, it doesn't matter what calendar page you're at, but there's food available in a betting ticket. And it doesn't yeah. matter what calendar page you're at, but there's cover available. And mm-hmm. it's just like you, there's not many things in the world of land management, and specifically for whitetail deer, that has more year-round usability than a young forest, um, a diverse young forest. And, you know, I, there's different terms. We call them betting thickets because it's kind of an idea of a thicket that offers betting. But not only for deer, but also for, you know, nesting um, or bugging areas for turkeys. So it's kind of a hybrid because you've got young forest because we didn't treat all the stumps. So there's hinge cuts, so there's there's sprouts uh, available or browse, not only in a hinge cut, but also a flush cut. So just a stump that's coming up. But then at the same time, because we've opened up the canopy enough by design, and, and you know that's a whole nother podcast of some of the faults that happen on a on a bedding thicket or a tent at a at a bedding area in the forest. But if you've opened it up enough, you're going to get a flush of uh, brambles, forbs, and grasses, um, and and all of those can help attract insects for insects for uh, bugging opportunities, not only for turkeys but many other birds. And the list is long about all the benefits, and that's just why we go on and on and on. But the importance of this podcast was to differentiate the difference between a sanctuary and a bedding thicket. You could call yeah. our bedding thickets sanctuaries, but please do. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what they are. But a blanket statement sanctuary of uh, an area that's not being managed, and I, we say this a lot, or we've talked about it off podcast, but. You know, maybe we don't hammer it home enough on a podcast, but if you've got an area of your farm that you're not going into ever for fear of disturbance, you're missing the boat because you should be going in there. I would much rather disturb the heck out of my farm knowing that I'm improving the habitat. Like if I'm running a if 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 you have two farms and one farm has got a guy running a chainsaw like a madman, he's all over it. And you've got another farm. A guy just never goes in there ever. I I would rather hunt the farm of the guys running the chainsaw because I know there's food. I know there's sunlight. I know there's cover. I know there's many factors, and I know the deer are conditioned to that guy running the chainsaw. So they've got everything yep. they need, and they're used to the disturbance. Versus the other one where you walk through the timber and it's like, whoa, okay, somebody's hunting. I'm out of here. A, a sanctuary without quality habitat is just a woodlot. It's it's a pass-through. Yeah, it's it's just this spot on the map, and and a spot on the map that does not have weight at all for wildlife. Um, And I I know that there's people out there, and they're thinking, well, guys, I haven't cut anything, I haven't done anything. It's pretty close case, but there's deer in there all the time. It's like, well, now we might be in a different situation, where the cover just in your in your general area is really limited, but don't equate your poor cover uh, of closed canopy timber for good cover. By default, they have to be there because there's nothing else. Reminds so me of an old Jeff. Even if you ha- go ahead, go ahead. I was- uh, well, I'll just say if you have that, if you have the deer, that doesn't mean that it can't be improved and that more resources shouldn't be allotted to those acres in the form of woody browse, brambles, forbs, grasses, all these other components that should be a part of a sanctuary. Yeah. Sanctuary without habitat again is just it's just trees. <laughs> it's just pitiful. I was reminded yeah. when you said all that, I was reminded of an old Jeff Foxworthy line. I don't know VHF just I th- I think it was his VHS called Totally Committed. Um and and it's like, oh, if you think Jello's good cold, oh, you ought to put it in the microwave. And that reminded me of this sanctuary. Oh, you think this sanctuary is good now? Oh, you ought yeah. to wait till you cut some trees. You ought to wait till you get eighty percent sunlight in specific areas. Yeah, um, that stuff is awesome. You know, another one that you know we we probably could do is. You know, people are always wondering, like, okay, well, where do I put them? You got to say roughly an acre to three acres in size and the timber based around your road systems and boundaries and access and all that stuff. But, like, 
terrain features. That's where there's, there's areas where it just like slam dunk. Yeah. You can you can put your like you know I can look on a map and say from a thousand miles away I'm having one there based yeah. on topography features. We need, yeah. we should cover that, but. Um, that's yeah, when I mean, we say it, it, it depends, it, it, you know, that's what our consulting services, that's what we're hired yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, Cause yeah. It, I, I just want to, maybe I'll p- try to paint a picture for you, but if you have a big rectangle and that is your farm and it's the perfect, perfect shape because it's just, everybody can picture a rectangle. Um, and you've got bedding thickets dotted around or just say puzzle pieces, and you move one puzzle piece here and another one over here, and you try to put one in between them um, that's slightly towards more towards the center than the others, and it winds up that that one's the one that's a little closer to the center is more attractive for a specific buck, and you know that based on camera, and you go in to try to hunt the downwind side, but all of a sudden you realize that the deer are cutting the corner uh of the other two that are close in conjunction so they're going behind you downwind that causes a problem and so mm-hmm. laying them out correctly to where you can maneuver through the property maneuver around the outside perimeter however however we use access to the to the farm is key in the in the overall design and the architecture because you don't want to put them in a place and go rut row raggy um because there's a line that my daughter uses um because it's there for a long time when it comes to a bedding thicket unless you go in and completely doze it out or do something but yeah i would say for for example if you go in and there's closed canopy forest and you cut in a bedding thicket and realize that oh that's not good Okay, Dad, cut out all the forest, cut all those trees that I that I had cut down, haul them out of here for firewood. So all that woody structure gets hauled out or burned up. You you throw all the treetops in a pile and you burn it up. Now you still have an opening, and it's still going to be more attractive than closed canopy forest. And so yep. you're like, well, shoot, the only way to get rid of that permanently is plant more trees and hope hope they grow up in closed canopy quickly because regardless and that should tell you where closed canopy forest ranks on the on the attractiveness to white-tailed deer is outside of acorns fallen yeah it's not much benefit and so anything outside of closed canopy forest is more attractive most of the time and so making sure your bedding thickets are in the correct spot is crucial yeah i mean a- anybody can go and cut and run a chainsaw yeah and, and you know Anybody can learn how to do that, um, but but the placement and the, the orientation, distribution of that resource on a farm, how it lays out with um, you know other resources such as water, such as um, terrain, such as crop fields, such as CRP food plots, all these different aspects is super super important to get right. Cause, yeah, like I said. A tree cut is a tree cut. You don't just stand that puppy back up and, and say, whoops, put a Band-Aid on it and move on. Yeah. That's why I think a lot of people have so much fear mm-hmm. of cutting. They yeah. don't want to do it, and they don't want to do it wrong. Um, you know, there's that, there's that one like, saying or, or a little story. It's like, you know, the the guy, um, he went in to fix some engine or something like that, right? The business owner gets a gets a bill. Oh, that was the... And, um, Ford Motors, so Ford Motors. Story. Yeah, yeah. The and, engineer uh, that designed the designed the uh, the big machine or whatever, he sent a humongous mm-hmm. bill, and all he did was turn a screw. And he's like, he's, but you know which tur- screw to turn? Yeah, you're not getting the invoice because I turned a screw. You're getting an invoice because I knew which screw to turn. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. it kind of goes into the measure twice, cut once mentality, where if you're not thinking through. And I've even had analysis paralysis on my own farm of where to put these bedding thickets in. Because it's like, once this is here, it's there. And there ain't anything yeah. that can bring it back. And so it's like, yeah. I want to make sure we get this right. And, you know, we've we've done it. We're a little slower on the family farm because we do have a timber harvest in the future plan. And so it's like, there's only a few key areas. But lo and behold, those key areas that we put them in have been dynamite on camera as well as hunting um over the year yeah. so uh and even this year did i yeah i think i mentioned it but even the very first one that we did in a in a spot by a stand we called Dollheart, 
um, that's when I went in there this fall to put up trail camera and found American Beautyberry. And it's like, where have we ever seen American Beautyberry around the farm? Uh, I can't name a time. And it's like, well, once again, where can you name a woodland around the farm? <laughs> not, yep. not many places. And so, uh, yep. yeah, you, you, I hope that our listeners and, you know, so many of our guys have written in and sent us pictures and there's so many people out there really doing amazing work um, and hopefully getting some inspiration from our podcast every week. But I, I hope that some of our listeners don't fall victim and I'm encouraging you guys that this winter, you know, it's deer season's most likely still open, but as it's starting to wind down wherever you're at and you start to shift into that management uh, mindset and you're, you're shifting back into your, your management planning, I want you to take a map of your farm, whether the, whatever the size. If, it, if it's 100 acre, I want you to break it up into 10 acre units. If it's 200 acres, make it 20 acre units. If it's 500 acres, make it 40 acre units um, to start because, and I want you to grid it off. You know, my family farm, we're going through a survey right now uh, on the Prairie Hollow property in the family farm. And so I, I've got a map of, of all the 40s stacked in there and from the survey. And I can, I'll look in each one of those 40s and say, okay, where am I falling victim to the continuous, contiguous habitat fails? And by that, I mean, where is a 40 acre chunk or 10 acre chunk or 20 acre chunk, depending on the size of your farm, where it's all the same. And I look at that and I just might as well get a rubber mallet out and start mashing my toes because I know I'm going to fall victim to it. Um, Because if you've got a 40 acre chunk and it's all the same, it's all closed canopy forest, or even if it's all a uh, CRP field, it's not as attractive as it should be. It's not as attractive as it can be. And we need to change it. We got to figure out something to diversify that unit, break it up, give it more edge. Um, You know, we've talked before that deer are not creatures of the edge. They're just utilizing the edge of things because there's oftentimes habitat features that aren't found anywhere else. And the more breaking up the farm you can do, the more fragmenting the farm, the more uh, old fields or temporary forest openings or little meadows in the, in the timber or whatever it may be, edge feathering, a food plot, uh, a woodland, a uh, backslope forest, a savanna, a riparian uh, waterway, a forest uh, waterway, whatever it may be, we need to make sure that we just add different habitat features to our farms so we can diversify it, add more year-round um, potential for your wildlife. And by golly, enjoy the farm. Don't yeah. just leave it all to sanctuary. Oh. And and that's where sanctuaries really kind of started. Almost has a negative connotation with me of of when I hear it, I'm like, oh, what? Uh, I get I get a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth because I I t- my brain I've seen so many, walked through so many that it is just like this. I get a, a picture painted, essentially, of what. It, look, let's let's compare right private land versus public land. To me, a lot of it's like the wilderness right it's not in this pristine thing but like it's this vast area that hardly anybody goes into because you don't want to walk through it <laughs> and it's just like it hasn't been touched it hasn't been managed it hasn't been manipulated it's yeah. just this n- nothing nothing zone of um of of waste but it sounds good it sounds like you should have one on your property that's but right Almost, but it only is good if it's implemented appropriately not and to get, in the right way at the right areas and size. And absolutely, absolutely. It's just, yeah, it, you, you hit it and you kind of touch a little political there, so I applaud you for that. Um, uh, Was there undertones? Yeah. Oh, if you want to make a property <laughs> terrible, make it a wilderness, in my opinion. It's like if you want to make a piece of ground um, not as good, label it as sanctuary and never go in there because that's yeah. the path it will be on. So, Correct. Uh, and, and so going back to that, do you hunt over your sanctuaries? Do you hunt over your bedding thickets? Absolutely. Where else would I hunt? Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I hunt it? Because 
I know that bedding thicket is probably more attractive than anything else around here, especially during the time of the year that I want to hunt the most. So I'm going to set up my almost in like an egg yolk pattern where most of the time if you crack an egg and throw it in the skillet, the yolk doesn't sit right smack dab in the center. It kind of sits off to the side. And so if you want to really look at it and say, okay, well, the yolk is my bedding thicket and the, and the white is my sanctuary, well, I notice the yolk is a little closer to one side than the other. And that's the side that I want closer to my access trail so I can slip in and get downwind of that bedding thicket or yolk and be right in the wheelhouse on November 5th or whatever day from October 20th, November 20th um, that you want to be. Yeah, I, th- I think the fact that the question even arises that do I hunt the sanctuary or not it is, um, is a red flag in my opinion, opinion because it's like, why would you not hunt? If, if it's so good, if it's a sanctuary, like if it is, if it is where all the deer are, why would you want to be hunting anywhere else? Yeah, man, like, I think... I aren't, think you, aren't you just wasting time if you're hunting where the deer aren't spending the majority of their time? But it also tells me, and it screams to me, if you're questioning that, that you haven't laid out the property in a way that's accessible to a hunter. Yeah. And I think so when you scale that, that sanctuary down, now we've got something we can work with. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Uh... Yeah, I, uh, in my opinion, deer are much more accepted, uh, or they accept pressure around thick cover better than a larger area with little cover. And by that, I mean, I think if you have a two acre clear cut or a two acre or one acre clear cut and you hunt it a few times and maybe you kick some deer, uh, you, you bump some deer walk into your stand or you bump some deer, the wind shifts and a few deer get nervous and smell you and run off. I still feel like you have a better chance at returning to that same set and seeing deer than you would going into a 30 acre unit. That's got no cover value and bumping a few deer. Yeah, for sure. So for sure. man, I, I hope the that... other thing, you know, Ryan Kirby just a couple weeks ago was talking about on 40 acres, his buddy, was hunting over the same bedding area for I think three to four days on forty acres. Yeah, with the right wind, ride the hole, baby. I mean, when it's good, it's good. Yeah, hunt it. Yep, that's where the deer are. Why? Why again? Would you want to be anywhere else? Yep, if you can get in and out. Man. And that's where, like, from year to year, when you have multiple bedding thickets laid out, from year to year, you probably won't hunt the same one every year. The same. Because deer are going to change and different deer are going to have different core areas. And you may notice that, okay, this year my target buck is on the north side of the property and he's around these two bedding thickets. And you may hunt those two bedding thickets multiple times. But the next year rolls around after you've harvested that deer, you may be going, man, I'm over here on the east side of the farm this year because that's where that buck wants to hang out. And before you know it, you're like, man, it's just, there's like this whirlpool effect where, Every year there's a good buck somewhere on the farm or multiple good bucks, and they're, they've got their own little section of bedding thickets that they like to be around. Yeah. Yeah, sure. man, I, I hope, you know, people are if, – if every single listener that we have – now I know there's some guys that lease and they haven't quite cracked that egg on getting to the landowner or the family member that owns the farm yet and getting them convinced to let them cut some trees – by the end of this January, when we get ready to run through this, the just the the gauntlet of of clients with success on bedding thickets and and the observations we've made over the next two months, month and a half, if there if every single listener that has the ability isn't fired up a chainsaw and is cutting some trees and trying to cut some of these, we've failed as podcast hosts. <laughs> I hope I hope the amount of trees that get dropped during this let's say off season um i hope it registers on the richter scale uh the earth the earthquake meter that just boom boom just consecutive trees dropping across yeah. the country because my gosh we need it in the wildlife need it and you i won't say will regret it but i will strongly strongly feel that you will really love the results of doing so um 
you, you talk to any of the people that we've had on the podcast and many of those clients who haven't been on the podcast and they're just jazzed up about what they're seeing in and around these areas. Um, they're good. And that's why we keep hammering them home. Cause really to me, if you will, it's like the, the introduction to habitat management. If yeah. you get on board with this, implement it, you're not going to stop. Like you're not going to stop continuing to implement these, but then you're going to take on additional projects like yeah. old field management, um, edge or feathering. prescribed fire, yeah. edge feathering. You're going to be crazy after edge feathering. This is like, do this because I know you're going to love it. You're going to love the response. You're going to shoot a buck over it and you're not going to want to stop. Yeah. Once you get bitten by the bug, it's, it's crazy good habitat from there. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I had to, over on podcast number two this week with Louis Zinn and his success that he's had, I had to throw out a uh, product endorsement for a leave, Matt, um, because of his complaints leave, yeah. about a, uh, a bad back. A leave. Yeah. Yeah. Said my <laughs> hey, back has if been that's so... All, if that's the worst thing... Well, that's what I told I'll, him. I'll, I said I could have been a consultant that got you, that that you hired to get uh, get me there, and then I told you you need to go spend another twenty grand on whatever products... And you could have yep. been going, well, dang. <laughs> I said, I, and yep. he goes, I'd take it. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I hope Probably everybody, you know, if you got questions, shoot us a message on Instagram or Facebook or email at LandonLegacy, info at LandonLegacy.tv. Matt, yep. good luck in the morning. Good luck this week. Appreciate it. Um, hopefully you'll have an update for us, maybe a big buck story yeah. come uh, next hopefully. week's podcast. What is next week? This will drop. Uh, sometime the first in, week of December. Well, no, week, the second yeah. week of December. Second week? Oh, this one. This one will drop the first week yeah. of December. December 1st sure or 2nd, I guess. So, yep. um, guys, you know, December is a very awesome uh, month. Big holiday, most important. Well, one or two, depending on how you want to look at it. I guess number one is what I'd say. Christmas coming up, most important holiday of the year. Uh, birth. Yep of jesus christ so we're going to be celebrating it all month and all year long uh, so you guys hopefully um maybe use 2020 as terrible as it's been for a lot of people use it as the final month the final hoorah to get you to get everything back prioritized correctly with your family and celebrate uh birth of jesus christ at the end of the month matt anything Absolutely. before we go no ready to rock and roll ready to see some deer tomorrow but um ready to get uh more pictures and testimonies of people cutting in bedding thickets than leaving them as sanctuaries. Yeah, here's my challenge, you guys. When you cut one in, take a trail camera, put it, find a find a tree that's already got buds, put a trail camera on it, see how long it takes for deer to show up and start eating those buds after you've cut it. I bet you you'll be shocked at how quickly it happens. And have to take before and afters. Oh, same yeah. tree, same spot, before and after. Send it to us on social media. We'll post it give you a shout out because we'd love to encourage and see people making habitat better yeah all right guys appreciate you we'll catch you next week we'll see you